We call it window shopping. We walk along the high street, stare at the clothes or products in the windows, and probably take for granted the fact that the depth and breadth of these windows stretch so far today. In its very early days, glass was made from impure ingredients, giving it a green tint, and it was used for decoration. As time went on, colours were added in the form of cobalt, copper, silver, chrome, iron, gold and others. Molten glass was moulded around a removable core or centre in red hot furnaces. The Egyptians, the Romans and other European cultures have used glass beads and glass objects to trade and as a means of exchange. In England after 1615, glass makers were required to use coals instead of wood in their furnace. Even then, deforestation was an issue. Retail contribution fact file. The shop window displays made possible by new glazing techniques became key to retailers ability to persuade passing trade to step through the door. In the age of online shopping the role of window merchandising is even more vital since many customers go out as much to browse as to buy. The power of attraction rests heavily on the view through the window. Today, glass has become a key component of retail architecture for some brands. Witness Apple's use of it as a central tenant of their retail design philosophy. Where did it all begin? In the late 17th century, the English added lead oxide to the glass production process, making it solid, heavy and durable. The French then also used grinding and polishing techniques to produce the first plate glass, but back then only the rich could afford to own it. The French Revolution and the English Industrial Revolution coincided with a revolution of its own in glass manufacture. Compressed air produced better, flatter glass planes, and by 1920s it was no longer necessary to blow glass manually. There were hand-operated machines that did it, and by the 1870s, the first semi-automatic bottle machine were in use. Water power, steam, and then eventually electricity transformed glass production. By the 1860s, store and office buildings were using plate glass. In the 20th century, machines could produce sheet after sheet after sheet of flat glass for windows, that glass became stronger and tints were applied. In 1903, bulletproof glass was accidentally discovered when a French chemist, Eduardo Benedictus, dropped a glass beaker on the floor. It didn't break completely apart as it was coated with plastic cellulose nitrate. When Henry Gordon Selfridge came to build his Oxford Street store in the early 1900s, he invested £400,000, a small and considerable fortune, acquiring a series of Georgian buildings and getting architect Daniel Burnham to turn them into a steel-framed, five-storey-high department store which opened in 1909, complete with cast-iron window frames and glass windows measuring over 19 feet by 12 feet. This meant that Selfridge's Oxford Street store was made of more glass than stone or ironworks. It's still the second largest retail outlet in the UK, half as big as the biggest department store in Europe, Harrods. 
In the 1950s, Sir Alistair Pilkington and Kenneth Bickerstaff developed the float glass manufacturing technique as we know it today. It's produced by heating furnaces up to 1,500 degrees C. The molten liquid inside the furnace is allowed to flow through molten tin. It floats because the density of materials is different. The technique gives flatness to the surface of the glass. It's then carefully cooled and can be cut to size and distributed and transported. It became commercially successful during the 1960s and made the use of glass transformative in retail stores, more feasible and much more widespread. And don't we the shopper like to browse at those big windows displays which allow the retailer to show us what's new and fashionable and what they've got in store and what we should be wearing or buying this season.